If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn me, turn with me, join me, if you will, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're in a series that we called Headwaters, where it all begins. And um, we're exploring the, the core values of our church. And today we're going to talk about community, the value of community, that we are better together. We are better together. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, going to, I'm reading out the ESV version today, so it might sound a little different than yours or read a little different than yours. And I'm going to read uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and then we're going to come back and we're going to parse it out. Chapter 4, verse 1 through 16. Roger Brown, it is good to see you, brother. It is good to have you back. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is but one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, everybody say all, all, that's the exclusion of everyone and the exclusion of no one. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. How many of you know that there are many, many deceitful schemes running around the earth right now? Amen? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I want to talk to you today about community, about community. I don't know if you know this or not, but did you know that the God that we worship has always been in community? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one in essence, one in nature, three distinct persons dwell in eternity, in eternity, eternally, in community. It's expressed in the Godhead. And our scripture teaches us that community is the natural result of the Holy Spirit's influence on his people, the church. 
That's what the scripture says to us today as we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. I had some pictures I was going to show and I forgot to load them, so I'm just going to have you use your imagination. I have, I have always wanted to visit the Redwood Forest in California. Somebody said, that's wonderful. So, <laughs> I haven't been there yet. Uh, I, I, I look at the magnificence of these trees and I think that they, they are one of the wonders of God's creation. You know, officially the oldest living coast redwood is about 2,200 years old. But there are some people that say, some foresters that say that, that there are some of these trees that are much, much older than that. One giant sequoia in one of these forests is named General Sherman. Check this out. General Sherman stands 275 feet tall. It is 102 feet in circumference. It weighs, this boggles my mind, it weighs 2.7 million pounds. Giant sequoias can live upwards of 3,000 years with the oldest living one more than 3,500 years old. Now, you would think that a tree that that's massive, that that's massive and that tall and, and that old would need deep roots. You'd think that the roots would have to run deep, but that's not the case at all. With redwood trees, the roots are very shallow, five to eight, sometimes 12 feet deep, but normally no, no deeper than that. But what, but what happens with what, what they lack in depth, they make up with width because the roots extend out sometimes up to 100 feet from the trunk. They thrive in thick groves where, where these roots often intertwine and even fuse into each other and the roots of other trees. And sometimes it's impossible to tell where the roots of one begins and another ends. So what happens is this gives these trees tremendous strength against the forces of nature, against the storms of life. By connecting together in this way, they are able to withstand high winds and Thank you, Nathan. My man. Nate, Nathan, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Nate. Look at that thing, man. Isn't that amazing? You can bear, I mean, the roots of these trees are interconnected and it allows them to stand the test of time and the storms of life. They grow to a size and a magnitude that's unmatched. And again, they can live together for thousands of years. They show an unmatched ability to stand the storms of life because each tree draws from the trees around it. And so their lives are inseparable. They are inseparably intertwined. What an excellent metaphor for what Christian community is supposed to be like. Isn't it? It reminds me a lot of what we see in our text today. When you look close at the church of Ephesus, you see that it's a healthy church. And the healthy church in Ephesus and any other healthy church community today requires exactly what I was talking about, about those roots running out and intertwining with each other. When you see a people whose roots run together, they draw off one another, and it's hard to tell where the strengths and the abilities of one ends and the other 
begins. They've learned the value of togetherness, of being connected to one another. And this is a picture of what biblical community is supposed to look like, family. Spiritual growth and community, life-on-life life, discipleship, relational and spiritual connectedness all takes place within the framework of biblical community. Authentic community is where you, you know and, and you are to be known and you love and you can be loved and you give and you learn to receive from those who give back to you. It's where we can experience true and lasting friendships, where we learn to serve each other out of reverence for Christ, community. All of this and more is found in community with each other. All of it. But authentic community is a challenge because authentic community calls for us to live outside of ourself and focus on the needs of others. Authentic community can be messy because relationships with other people are messy. How many of you know that? Relationships are messy. But it's only through relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ that we can learn from each other, forgive one another, esteem each other higher than ourselves, teach and correct each other, encourage one another, pray for each other, bear one another's burdens, be accountable to one another. Only in community can we grow together with one another. You know, everyone seeks community in one form or another. If you talk to the police officers, they'll tell you that gang members are seeking community. It's the wrong kind of community, but they're seeking community. Everyone seeks community. We were never meant to travel this journey of life alone. God expressed that to us from the very beginning of time. And remember, he looked down, he said, he saw Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone, didn't he? We're never meant to travel this journey alone. In my opinion, it is impossible for us to fully experience the power and the love of God outside of authentic Christian community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Impossible to fully, everybody say fully, experience it. And so we'll never experience life in Christ attempting to grow up on our own. We will never fully experience life in, in Christ isolated from other followers. We are made for interconnected relationship with others in the body of Christ. Community is God's plan to satisfy this need in every single one of us. So you won't find any instance in the New Testament scripture where anyone is encouraged to go it alone. Can any of you think of one? You won't find it. But yet and still, we see all the time in Scripture where once we accept and embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, we become part of a family, part of a body of believers, part of a community that's growing together. I love what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. He said, a community that's rooted and grounded in love. Wow. But on the other hand, just like a tree disconnected from its roots will eventually dry up and die, 
so we can only experience full joy, authentic love, true life when we are connected in community with other followers in the body of Christ. Amen? I'll show how quiet today. Are you listening to me? All right. Here's a key takeaway for you today. Authentic community, family. Everybody say family. Family. Authentic community is church lived outside the four walls of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so for some of us, that means we're going to have to expand our definition of church if we're to understand this idea of community and family. I think it's time we change the way that we think about church. Church is not just this, what we see here on Sunday morning. This is merely an extension of what should be taking place in community outside of the four walls of the church during the week. Amen? So church is more than just a Sunday morning program, more than just a Sunday morning time slot, another thing to add to our schedule. So I don't want us to get, think, to get stuck in our thinking that this is, church is just a one and a half hour commitment when church and community is meant to be so much more family. We mature in community outside of the four walls of the church. And it's in these personal spaces of community like Bible study and small groups and family gatherings for prayer and worship that we can mature faster in less intimidating environments than what you would see here on a Sunday morning because it's there where we can learn to exercise what it means to pray with each other what it means to really be with each other together. I love the way that Randy Frazee says, says this in his book, Connecting Church. He says, the experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. The writings of scripture lead one to conclude that God intends the church to be, to be not to be one more bolt in the will of activity in our lives, but the very hub at the center of one's life. When the church becomes a connected community with Christ at its center, it becomes an unmistakable marvel. Wow. So now from our text today, I want to show you how the church in Ephesus grew into a strong, mature church community and, and why it's a template for us to experience growth as well in community. I submit to you that the church of God, the local church too, will grow and mature into a strong community when these three things happen. First, when all the gifts are flowing in the body. When all the gifts are flowing in the body. Let's read verse 7 and 8 of Ephesians chapter 4. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts. Everybody say gifts. He gave gifts to men. Now drop down to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherd and teachers 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. As you look at these verses, who's doing ministry in the church? Everybody. All of us are doing ministry in the church. Every follower of Jesus Christ is called to ministry. And every single follower of Jesus Christ has been given gifts, talents. Each one of you have abilities. Each one of you have a spiritual gift. Each one of us have natural inclinations, some self-interest that drive us. Where do you think that these things came from? Where did you get those interests? Scripture tells us every good and perfect gift comes from God. God placed them on the inside of you. He gave them to you. And he didn't just give them to you and me for us to just use them for ourselves and to consume them for ourselves or to do like the one guy did in Scripture where he was given one talent and he got, you know, he's like, I only gave God, you only gave me one. And so I was nervous, so I hid it in the ground. Remember that story in Scripture? It's not why God gave us gifts and talents. He meant for them to be put to use in the body of Christ. Are we going to make mistakes? As we start to exercise the gifts in the body of Christ, are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. Are we going to have to go around putting out fires in community from time to time? Absolutely. Am I going to have to stand up here on a Sunday morning from time to time and make corrections as we go? Everybody say, absolutely, Pastor. I'm going to have to do it. We're going to have to do it as we venture more deeply in community. But listen, I'm less afraid of having to make corrections and put out fires than I am having to stand before God one day and give an account for not empowering you to use the gifts that you bring to the body of Christ. Hmm. And so the early church grew because the gifts were functioning in the church. We want to see the gifts functioning and flowing, flowing more in our church family. Amen? Amen? So it begs the question, what gifts do you possess that you're not using? That you're not bringing to the table? What are you sitting on right now that you know that God has gifted you to do and you're not bringing to the table? Man, I love the boldness of Pelzet. I love the boldness of, of, of Eric to stand up and to use the gift that God gave them to edify the body. Some of you out here have the same gift. Some of you are worshipers. Talented, gifted worshipers. Amen, Pastor. Amen. <laughs> yeah, um, okay, here we go. So, so some of you, like, you guys go to town, and when you're at home, like, woo, you're singing and, and you know, lathering up and just, and, and, and you know you're singing good. You, where's, where's it at here? 
God wants to use that gift. Mm. Boy, I'm on to something here. I better hit it and quit it. <laughs> so that's the first one. Here's the second one. Here's the second factor for growth and maturation in church as we grow in community together. We will grow and mature together when we learn to speak the truth in love. Everybody say in love. Okay, because watch this now, because, because you can fall off both sides of that. You can decide to speak the truth and then not be in love, and it can do some damage. Or you can decide not to speak the truth at all and withhold the truth, and it can be just as damaging. Everybody say amen. amen. Yeah. And so the key here is to, is to learn how to speak the truth in love. And here's the implication here. For this to happen, for us to be comfortable with speaking the truth in love to each other, we got to hang out with each other, man. We got to get to know each other. We have to earn the right to speak into each other's lives. And that only happens as we spend time together. We'll never become an authentic, close Christian community if we're not willing to speak the truth or when we're only willing to speak the truth when it's easy. Hmm. Building relationships of love and trust within community takes time. It takes proximity to each other. And so don't ever underestimate the time that we spend together both in the sanctuary here as a community and outside the four walls. So much growth can take place in these times that we set aside to just be with each other. No pretense. Nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to prove. Just getting to know each other, just being together. I once heard Lee Hudson say, I know he didn't make it up. God created us to be human beings and not human doings. We can get so caught up in the doing that we fail to be that when there's nothing to do, we don't know how to be. Okay, let me move on. So I imagine getting together in a similar way. I imagine this, this church in Ephesus was getting together in a similar way as what we see in the book of Acts, where the scripture tells us in Acts 2 and 46 that they broke bread together in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They opened up their homes to each other and they ate together. I don't know about you, man, but... You can, you, you can get to know each other really, really good over a meal, can't you? Especially if the person's a good cook. Have mercy, Jesus. I love good eating, man. I tell you, I, okay, in case y'all don't know, I, let me make a confession. The pastor loved to eat, man. I love a good meal. And there's nothing like fellowship over a good meal. The principle of fellowship over a good meal is as old as the church. So the early church made their homes available. 
And so if we're to go to grow together, we're to, we have to grasp the concept that relationship in the church and in our ministries and must extend beyond the four walls of this gathering. So let me ask you some questions. Here's a challenge for you. Ask yourself this. Have I taken the time to invite someone to coffee or to lunch or to dinner? Will I do that this week? When is the last time I invited a family from our church into my home? Who could you have over for Thanksgiving dinner this week or for dinner on Sunday of next week? What would it do for relationships with the younger people in our church if a couple of, a, of us older, more seasoned saints Somebody say, you ain't that seasoned, Pastor. <laughs> but what would it do for a young couple if some of the older seasoned saints that have their kids already grown, gone, and on their own called a young couple who hadn't had time together because they were too busy raising babies and say, listen, we just want to keep your kids for four hours so you guys can go out and enjoy a meal together. Wow. I see a young couple going, hmm. Mm. Okay, let me ask it like this. How many of you young couples could use something like that? Raise your hands. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh -huh, there you go. There you go. Y'all see those hands? Yeah. Listen, listen. This is what authentic family is all about. Yeah. Togetherness is the building block of community. <laughs> Listen, we can do more. We can do much, many things better together than we can alone. So here's my final point. We grow in community together when we focus on our common ground. On our common ground. If you look around this church family, you see a tremendous amount of diversity in this group. Tremendous amount of diversity. Just like in the old church where they brought their personalities and their gifts and, and their uniqueness. We have the same thing here. We have different personalities and gifts and gender and all these things. But at the core, at the center of it all was one common denominator. One common denominator. Just like in the early church with different types of people spanning generations, in this church we have boomers, we have millennials, we have Gen Xers, we have Gen Yers, we have people with different personality types, executives and drivers and administrators and introverts and extroverts and diplomats and intellectuals. Yeah, right here in this church. Everybody say, right here in this church, Pastor. Right here in this church, man. It's right here. And so with this much diversity, there's always going to be the potential for conflict. It's just human nature. 
But a church that works through times of conflicts develops strong community. And in times of conflict, when we focus on... <laughs> I got sidetracked, I had to derail. Everything all right? Did you guys hear that? No. Vicky said, when someone offers the gift of giving to your family, like babysitting, take the gift because it's a gift of, from the Lord. Because scripture tells that it is more blessed to give than to what? Receive. Come on now. Y'all preaching. Y'all word scholars out there. <laughs> Thank you, Vicky, for that. That's a good interruption. I appreciate that. That's okay. I don't even know where I was at. Focus. Focus. <laughs> Only from Dinky, I tell you. Gosh. Focus. In times of conflict, when we begin from our common ground, we can work through any problem or any conflict that presents to us, family. Listen to what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to, the, to one hope, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One focus. One. One spirit. One God. One faith. When we focus on keeping the main thing the main thing, it'll help us to be intentional about keeping Satan out of our business and keeping us from being distracted from what God has called us to do and who he's called us to be. And so here's how we're going to do it. In closing, Mitch, if you can come to the piano. You know, I began with with the giant redwoods, and I talked about how their roots are intertwined. I talked about how the roots go down. They're, I mean, not really deep for a tree that's almost 300 feet tall, sometimes only 12 feet deep. But their roots are intertwined. Now, every one of these trees are individual trees. But if we want to collectively, as a community, grow taller and wider and stronger, then our root needs to be in the things of God. Our desire must be for the things of God. And if our desires of our hearts right now aren't fervently burning for the things of God, 
then take some time this week to ask God to give you a passion for, for him and for the work that he's placed in your hands to do. But not only that, our roots need to spread out and they need to connect with the other roots of those who are around us because when this happens, just like the redwoods, we will strengthen one another, we will hold each other up, we can be accountable to one another, we can encourage one another, we can stand together. And that's vital because together we can accomplish every single thing that God has called for us to do. Amen? So, Father, as we close today, I ask you to let your word take full effect in our life. Reminded of your of your word that tells us, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in that law he meditates day and night. And you said this would be the result. He'll be like a tree tr planted by the rivers of water. Brings forth his fruit and his season, his leaf, will not wither, and everything that it does will prosper. Father, as we find our root in you and our connectedness to community with each other, help us to be that tree. Help us to be a community of trees that are magnificent in your sight that causes the communities that don't know you around us to marvel at who you've created us to be.